Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello, happy pump. You're looking stunning as usual, Bavna. Oh, you look great too, Tracy. You look great too. <laughs> How have you been? Yeah, great. Um, what have I been doing? I'm just thinking not a lot really since I saw you last. I did go to my networking thing. So I'm going networking, this very formal, um, casual formal networking thing. Um, it's quite interesting because a lot of property people in there, they talk about what's going on in Australia, obviously. So that's interesting for me because that doesn't interest me personally. It's not things that I follow. So yeah, I was at the networking thing and I get three minutes to talk about my business and what I do. So this networking um, session, it's to help, uh, it's part of the life craft coaching. Well, I, I, that's who I'm representing, my business, my coaching yeah. and training business. And everybody's there representing their business. But the idea is you're not there to sell to people in the group. You're there just to help everybody really understand what you do, who your clients are, so to get a deep understanding and build relationships with everyone. And uh, when it got to me, I was like, well, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to help these people understand what I do in three minutes? So I just decided to use the three minutes as an information session on something I would teach in the training or share with clients. So that's what I did. I talked about language and I gave them three tips about language used and how and the suggestion it gives to the person receiving it. So that's what I did. Okay. And then somebody gets half an hour to talk and they talk for half an hour. And uh, the guy talking was a travel agent. So right. he, yeah, okay. a travel agent in there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's great. So he's got a travel company. He's been doing it for 25 years or 30 years or whatever. And a long time. So he's talking about how he finds um, flights and the different coaches and different prices and what the trends are with ticket pricing and the benefits of using an agent versus doing it yourself. And what just, kind of business does he have in terms of, is he like, is he a personalized travel consultant? He owns a business, travel agency business. And what yeah. makes a travel agency different from everyone else's? Well, they do the work. You know, you're online searching for the best fares. They do the work, but they've got access to more. They've got access to the system that every travel agency has access to. Right. They can hold seats until, without you having to pay yet, you know, yeah. like for a few days. Yeah. So, and also, if anything goes wrong, you know, if you get to your airport, your flights can't, they sort it all out for you. Mm. And that's whether you're in your own country or abroad. That definitely helps because I normally go through, I often go through a travel agent for my yeah. clients. And I remember I booked a trip to India in March 2020. It was through a travel agency. I'm not going to mention its name, but it's mainstream one here, uh, globally. Oh, I know what you mean. And, and I got stuck in New Delhi in India at the time of COVID and I wasn't able to, well, I phoned them many times. They weren't able to help me out. And I ended up going to the embassy in order to get back home. Well, there you go. Personal travel agent wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's different. And that's why I was saying that's the unique selling point, I guess. Yeah, the unique selling point is the personal travel agent will, you know, take your call in the middle of the night, 
they're going to get on it and sort you out. And actually, that happened to my mum. She always uses a travel agent. And I remember thinking, why are you using a travel agent? You're just flying. It's so easy, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's me to my yeah. mum. Yeah. But when she got stuck here in COVID, mm-hmm. that travel agent was able to sort out, you know, ticket refunds. I mean, at the end of the day, we got a fl- I got her the flight home. Yeah. But they sorted out all the paperwork, trying to sort out the refunds for the other airline and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. they do, they do, they should do all the legwork, but they do a lot of the legwork. And if you get stuck anywhere or any pro- problems, they sort it out. You see, that's the main thing. Like we've just been talking about this unique selling point. And I know mm-hmm. in the networking, the networking group, I don't know if this was mentioned, but just talking about it with yourself, Trace, you know, I've got an idea about, you know, in terms of promotion, it would be hearing from the perspectives of holiday makers, travelers like myself and your mom getting stuck in these situations and what the outcome was. So, you know, there's just some ideas out there. Do you know what, Bob? So the thing is, when I can't make it, when somebody can't make it, you've got to go to every meeting. And if you can't make it, usually send someone else in their uh, business, like, you know, whoever. And then that person will give an update on their business for them on their behalf. So maybe you could go for me <laughs> if I can't make I would, uh, If I had three minutes, yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, use my creative flair. Yeah. Lifecraft coaching. Yeah. Yeah, give me that challenge. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, I'll say, all right, I'll send that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Talking about networking, today's yeah. podcast session, I understand uh, you've got a bit of a, an addition or a host. Yes. Um, we've got a very special guest today and I did actually meet a friend of a friend and we met networked we met for a coffee and she's so interesting I thought she has to come on this podcast so I asked her and she very uh, kindly accepted the invitation and so we better bring her on so it's my pleasure to introduce Zimbabwean born Renee Chavunga who is a talented and driven total boss lady who has juggled multiple passions and achievements in her career. She scored multiple awards, including the coveted Australian Water Association, New South Wales, Kamal Fernando Mentor of the Year Award. Clearly, Rennie is the definition of a powerhouse woman with a career spanning engineering, research and development, energy, circular economy, planning, incident management and water operations all while juggling her roles on advisory boards and committees. And half of those things, I don't even know what they are. Let's find out, yeah. Let's find out. But that's not all. Rennie also happens to be a successful model and actress who strutted her stuff on the catwalks of New York Fashion Week, appeared in the movie The Great Gatsby. Oh, okay. And starred in the award-winning music video Foreign Language by Flight Facilities. She's clearly a force to be reckoned with, and it's no surprise that both ABC and the city of Newcastle in Australia have produced a mini documentary on Rennie. Now, this, this is an inspiring woman that proves anything is possible. Yeah, great. Okay. Let's hear more. Let's hear more. Hello, Rennie. Hi. Hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, welcome to All Inclusive Podcast. We do this every time. We get really carried away talking at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're waiting. So apologies for keeping you waiting. Oh, no. I just thought that was just part of the process, you know. So. <laughs> um, Rennie, Tracy has just um, described and were given uh, a bio. Um, she shared a bio of you. And, yeah. Um, gosh, what a range. What a range. <laughs> so I'm really excited to meet with you and also um, to hear and um, to have you here and share your experiences. Yeah, absolutely. We both are so excited to have you here. It really uh, is a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. And I, I just asked this question. This is like, what did you think of the questions we proposed for you? Like, what did you think oh, of those? I thought they were great because, like, honestly, like, I kind of needed your help in terms of directing what you wanted to hear from me. So, no, I had no problems with the questions. I think what it was was just finding the key things to articulate in a short space of time when there is a whole range of things that you can go into you know so yeah I thought they were very well thought through and I'm keen to you know dig a bit deeper and allow you to question me a bit and you know oh great (laughs) 
so excited. So excited. Oh, if I've got time, I'm going to ask you about your hair, but we'll we'll come back to that. (laughs) Okay. You have had a career background in fashion, film and engineering. So can you tell us something people seem to misunderstand about you in these industries? (laughs) Yeah, this is a challenging one before you answer, but I thought like the best thing that I could say was I really, I find it quite interesting how many people do not expect a model or did not expect a model to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. And now people who did not expect an engineer to have been a model. Yeah. It's quite remarkable how many times, you know, there's somebody in my calendar who's supposed to come meet this engineer and I go downstairs to concierge to meet them. And they just, so taken aback I'm just not what they expected they're so confused you know uh people are like oh yeah I thought I was meeting an engineer but then you look so model-like I wasn't even sure like if I was in the right place sometimes you know so it's very very confusing for for people but nowadays I it's kind of like my game I'm going to expect them to be surprised and I just work with it and when I was modeling it was quite interesting like you spend a lot of time in hair and makeup and eventually the conversation goes to what do you do when you're not modeling? People would share all the different things that they're doing, part-time jobs, if they're not able to sustain their income fully. And then somebody would say, oh, you should ask Rini what she does, you know, and I'd say, I'm an engineer and I used to fly planes and different things like that. And you'd see people like, you know, really appreciate that I had not that fashion isn't an important industry and that I didn't value it, but you could hear people, you know, oh, she's really clever and she's doing something she's doing something worthwhile and she goes home and does something important you know and I think I felt really really proud of being an engineer and having spent that time in aviation and different things rather than just thinking and that gave me a bit of grounding in the sense that fashion wasn't the be all end all Mm. yeah uh, and you know because of that I kind of anticipated that surprise when I moved from the fashion world back into engineering and so at first I started by minimizing the model side of me dress really really plain no makeup try to blend in as much as possible but as you know if you're not being unapologetically yourself and you're not being really authentic, you just don't thrive. And it doesn't allow others around you also to thrive. So yeah, now I just embrace all of me. I love being fashionable and fun with fashion, but Mm -hmm. I also like to do the serious things in terms of the engineering part of me as well. What do you think the surprise was about? (laughs) What do you think they're thinking in their head? With their, uh, with their expression of surprise. Yeah, like at first they're confused because they think that I'm not, I can't be the engineer. Maybe somebody else will come. So what's an engineer know. then? I don't know what they think. <laughs> Maybe they just expect me to be in high vis. Like some kind of be a high vis coat and the helmet yeah. and the goggles Maybe, even. Yeah, I don't know. So like, someone who's very kind of clinical looking, not someone yeah. like and so, yeah, again, it's those kind of, those biases, isn't it? Or stereotypes, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, but it's interesting, really, how you mentioned about the engineering side and the fashion side. And it kind of remember, I, I was reminded that back in the 80s when we had uh, Cindy Crawford, who was, like, you know, one of the uh, catwalk models of the day. And not many people know that. She, I think she comes from a chemical engineering background. I know you'll probably know more than I do. Um, but, you know, I think when Cindy Crawford came onto the limelight, the catwalk, everyone was also surprised that she had an engineering background. So uh, there you go. So that's I didn't I'm... know that. You're educating me here. Oh, OK. All right. <laughs> Ren, you, you'll probably know this about Cindy Crawford, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's But yeah, like, you know, you think that uh, others have been before. And yet, even still now, we're still getting surprised by it, which is, you know, and I think that's what, that's, I think that's why I'm so passionate about telling my story. I do want the young girls, and I guess even just everyone to grow up thinking, and there is an incredible amount of diversity out there, and your career doesn't, doesn't have to be. Uh, locked into some box and you don't have to necessarily look a certain way 
for you to be considered an engineer or a model, you know, that, mm. you know, people who are long and elegant and well-dressed and well put together can just be as easily on the catwalk as they are in the trenches and fixing pipes and doing different things. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Well said, well said. I think you know, you've hit the nail on the head there because like the fashion world, it's very, it's very two-dimensional, you know, it's what you look like. And here you are any, you know, you've basically kind of um, blown that theory out of the water because you're here representing and, uh, and basically also saying that, you know, just because also, yes, I look great, but I also have other talents. And so, you know, that's great to see. Mm, mm, it is. And I'm just trying to think about what's the mindset and the attitude. And I kind of get it because I've probably fallen into the same trap. Because if you think about it, people have careers and they, in previously, traditionally, people have careers and that's their career. Like you're, a, you know, you're a model, or you're a singer, or you're a, an accountant or an engineer. So the idea of having multiple careers, that's already like a bit of a like, mm. you know, I was going to say mind F. But it is a little bit. <laughs> we can use a beep. <laughs> beep. And then and then also you've especially in the fashion industry, you think well, models have to be beautiful and have to look a certain way to be a model. And you was maybe there's an assumption that they love that and that's what they aspire to be. Just because they are, I mean, just because you are beautiful doesn't mean to say you want to be a model. But I can understand why. Some people think, well, if you could be a model, why would you want to be an engineer? Or mm. if you'd be an engineer, why would you want to be a model? Do you know what I mean? It's like mm. I'm trying to think of the confusion that some people might have in their head. Mm. So, yeah, it's about also about our identity there. It's like, mm. if you're this identity, how can you be another identity? Or how can you take on another identity? And is mm. taking on two identities and speech marks even possible? Mm. Well, it clearly is. but it also challenges that stereotype like you said like you mentioned Tracy it's that stereotype and you know really what you represent is it challenges people's um, perceptions of their own stereotypes Mm. Um, so yeah Mm. it's interesting yeah so the question that I'm coming on to is the fashion industry has a reputation of being brutal and cutthroat with limited opportunities for people of color and engineering is reputation being very male dominated. So Renny, were there times when you faced barriers or experienced bias firsthand? And how did you handle these situations? Oh, yeah. One of the things that I remember, I guess I'll start with the modeling world. One of the things that I remember was uh, there were many times, a number actually, that I lost an opportunity or missed out on something because they already had a black person. A black person. Yeah, that's right. And I remember okay. thinking to myself, <clears throat> it used to hurt because I didn't understand how can it not translate that if you need a myriad of, you know, white women you and you represent them across the whole spectrum, how does it make sense that one black person can represent every other black person and I'll explain it a little bit more just so that there's no confusion like if you go on an agency and you look at their website I would go there and you'd see a white girl with short blonde hair she's also got long blonde hair and she's also got you know a little bit longer blonde hair tall short every spectrum of every woman in a white version is represented but only one version of a dark girl is enough to show the whole of Australia what black women should be like. And Mm -hmm. that used to really hurt me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I would love to see a black person who is a little bit lighter skinned, you know, and looks more Southern African, you know? And then now that I've got nieces and nephews who are, you know, who are, uh, you know, a mixed race now I would love for them to be able to look up and see somebody who looks exactly like them and at the time when I was modeling that wasn't as common and that was really hard for me to reconcile and I remember when my sister got married I, I thought this is an opportunity for me so I you know I touched base with two local uh, 
bridal magazines and said, hey, my sister's getting married. I'm putting on this great kitchen tea. I've got all this planned. Would you like to feature? And, you know, they both did. And, and they then offered to also feature the wedding. Because wow. I just thought, you know, at least there has to be at least one bride who looks mm. dark, mm. dressed in beautiful makeup. So people can see that, you know, bridal magazines and black people also get married mm. it doesn't make sense to me that the only people who get married or go to the gym are white people and so yeah. they yeah. are the ones who advertise everything does that make sense and now you know it's much much more common but when I was modeling it wasn't as common as <clears throat> you know so we've seen the industry come uh you know come a long way but it mm. wasn't like that when I was in the industry mm. and no, I'm just like, yeah, green, because I remember when I moved here in yeah. 2007, I remember one of my family members saying, why are you moving to Australia? They're racist. That's what he told me. And that never even occurred to me. And I wouldn't necessarily say I believe that, but mm. there is definitely a lack of representation. Mm. And then there's obviously how they're treating the Aboriginal, the Native Indigenous population. So there's those things to contend with. However, Australia's a beautiful country. There's beautiful people here and I love living here so I'm going to live where I want to live but I didn't see any black people I didn't see but black people in the suburbs that I was living in mm. I didn't see black people in any media and it was very noticeable because mm. like coming from the UK there's a lot more variety I guess diversity yeah. variety yeah. even in the media I mean I'm not saying it's perfect because it wasn't great still but there was a lot more. So coming from more to less, it was very, very noticeable for me. Yeah, and it's, it's, very natural, it's very natural, isn't it, Tracy, in the UK? It's like you don't really tend to think about it, whereas it's only when you come over here after living in somewhere like the UK where, you know, it, it, mm. there's, so, there's so many of what you look like. And then you come over here and that's when you notice it where there's hardly anyone. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't even see Aboriginal people. Mm. that I would, you know, recognize, recognize by looking um, as an Aboriginal person. So I just thought, wow. And it's only in the last few years that I started seeing people that look like me on the bus. I remember seeing a mixed race person or biracial person on the bus with like, you know, Afro hair. And I was like, I know. And I know it, it, it's quite powerful, actually. Until you move into a nation where somebody like you is not represented everywhere, it is so exciting when you see just one other person. It's like, ah, somebody like yeah. me. This is great. Yeah. And, you know, and an industry like fashion should definitely ensure that, you know, we should be, it should be an industry where, you know, every person can see themselves in that outfit or in that makeup or in that brand, you know. Mm -hmm. It can't be something that you have to imagine, or, you know, work hard to uh, put yourself in those shoes. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess in the engineering world, there were many times when I was, you know, the only girl in a room. And I do remember um, somebody like stopping in the meeting saying, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> and I remember uh, many times when I guess, you know, uh, when the jokes are not appropriate for diversity you can feel that you know yeah inappropriate or, jokes are just well I don't think they're funny but you know yeah um, that some I would just say men have, have, have become accustomed to using as a way to connect with each other mm. I, I think um one of our other guests talked kind of touched on that as well um, we had another guest who was talking because she was like she's a designer a graphic graphic Creative yeah, director. Design director, yeah, Frankie, Frankie, women change. Yeah, so she helps put the picture on the bus almost, or does the website. She was talking about being the only woman in these meetings, and similarly, what you're saying is a kind of banter and jokes that they have going on <clears throat> that's just not appropriate. In your experience, did your peers? actually say to you oh what are you doing here or oh I'm surprised to see you here um, did you come did you face that firsthand uh, so in one situation where it felt like you know uh, maybe I wasn't necessarily asked what are you doing here but you know a feeling of okay 
it wasn't expected of me to be part of this team or this group. But in terms of what I've done about it, I realized, you know, a lot of the time, once you really work hard at, you know, mastering your trade and also, you know, it's, it's, for me especially, like I, there were many times when it was assumed maybe that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do that because it was too heavy or too dirty or things like that. So I made a, a decision that I was going to, you know, if, if there was a, a pipe break, you know, and I go to site, I'm going to be wearing, obviously you have to wear your protective equipment, but I'm actually going to get involved. I'm going to learn how to operate the valves. I'm going to learn how to do all of the things that, that I felt the, uh, the crews would respect. Right. And it was quite remarkable that the move went from uh, me being a female but me being an example for engineers, actually, to say, hey, you know what? If you're an engineer, don't behave like you're so amazing because you've got this degree. Yeah. Go to, you know, go to site and do the work with the field staff. They really appreciate that and they'll respect you. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, for me, it was really, uh, I challenged myself to be good at what I do and to demonstrate that I'm willing to do the hard work and go an extra mile you know Mm, to fit in that I wasn't putting myself on this so yeah I used to be a model so I don't actually touch that or I don't actually do that um that was very helpful for me but what was really interesting and what I have found incredibly surprising is actually when I look back at my career once I gained that respect most of the time the men respected me but what didn't change is how women saw me and that really shocked me Uh, a lot of the jealousy and a lot of the being held back was actually a little bit because of the women Mm. who ended up uh helping me in some way approving my timesheet who made my life difficult and Mm. I was really shocked by that we spend a lot of time in you know international women's day and all these things talking about how men can better support us mm-hmm. but i think we have forgotten as women mm-hmm. how we can support each other because mm-hmm. i worked in male teams i think the guys would go home and tell their wives they've got this awesome engineer she's so amazing she's doing this and this and actually it didn't take long for in all of the teams that i was in for the wives to show up and try and meet this Rennie just to make sure I was an engineer first and not like, you know, like, I don't know. But you just feel like they're checking up and making sure. Is that there's, and, a, there's a bit of a threat there type of yeah. thing? Yeah, and I'm like, I promise you, if your husband ever did anything that was wrong, I would actually come and find you and tell you. <laughs> I'm not that type of girl. Yeah, but, you pull it out. Yeah, but actually I experienced uh, a lot of competition from uh women more mm. so than actually men which really surprised me and disappointed me a little mm. bit as well because yeah. you finally get more women in the room and all of a sudden they're the ones who are trying to find a reason not to support you know? yeah I did yes I mean there is a little research to suggest women are equally as biased um, as men are about other women I don't know if it's a reaction to the fact that a lot of women that are, you know, becoming successful are finding themselves the only CEO, the only exec, you know, one of few at least. So rather than being one amongst many, that's not the typical situation. So I think it's almost like you can understand, not that it's right, why there's that sense of competition when somebody else is suddenly there or doing well. It's kind of that mindset of lack, a mindset of, there isn't abundance. It's mm. almost like a mindset. Well, there's not enough room mm. for more than one successful woman because that's been the narrative for you so hit many the nail years. On the head because that's exactly what it is. When you suddenly realize uh, uh, that there is enough, there is enough room in this world, enough opportunities in the world for everybody to shine and to sparkle. You lose that guardedness and that, you know, I'm going to hold back to all of my skills and my talent and not share. Because if I share, they might just outshine me, you know? Mm. And yeah, and that's mm. one of the, and that's absolutely one of the things that I have tried to change. 
Mm. Like in everything that I do, if I can give you what I know, I will try and do that. And I will choke it down your throat so you don't have to make the same mistake because I truly want as many people to succeed and to take as many people along my journey with me as possible Mm. because I just don't feel the threat. I just don't feel like there is need to compete because Mm. the Rennie I am, even if we have the same name, no other Rennie can be the Rennie Chivunga that I am, Mm. Mm. you know? you can't replicate me and you can't replace me. So there's no need to be selfish. Yeah, it's great about there's this perspective about, like you've just explained, Tracy, about, yes, there's one person and, you know, they may think it's like, okay, well, well, because I'm the one in this space, I'm dominating it. It's not necessarily about that perspective. It's about uh, what you're kind of, what you're basically doing, which is going beyond representation and taking it to the next level, which is basically your paving away, making it easier for other people like yourself to then to then go on this journey. So that's basically where that perspective is taking that route rather mm. than taking the route of, oh, I'm in this space, I'm the one here and I'm owning it. And it's an attitude of abundance, essentially. It's an attitude of abundance. There's more than enough for everyone. And then this, I like to do a bit of devil's advocate. I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of a woman that might behave that way and then I'm thinking there's been so many years and years and years of struggle of being pushed down to not be able to get to those places Mm. like even the women that may be making your life difficult say generally as a gender that's been the case for so long Mm. so you're meeting this struggle all the time and then there's a bit of light you can make it you make it and then you just don't want anybody. He's like, no, you've got to struggle like I struggled. Right. Can just try to make sense of the mentality. And I think too, it took me a long time to be an advocate for women specifically as well. Like when I started volunteering within Literacy Engineers Australia, for instance, I started in the technical college. And it wasn't until a little bit later when I felt comfortable within myself as a woman to say, actually, I'm going to uh, support the co, you know, the refounding of the women engineering for that division, mm. because I guess there is a there is a bit of a, you know, the, there is a sense that if you're the woman who's constantly about women's rights and and let's lift other women up, let's you know, there was a bit of a you were looked down upon if you shouted the loudest about women's rights. So I think. I can understand that some women uh, maybe don't speak out as often as they should because they're concerned that they will be less respected because of that. But I feel like more and more, you know, speaking out on behalf of others is becoming more acceptable. Yes, yeah, it really is a difficult one to navigate because, you know, what mm. you're saying here, Arani, is that, you know, in your experiences in, in the engineering world, you know, it sounds as though um, you've had to work um, above and beyond to prove yourself. Mm. However, or you've also had to be mindful in the employment place in terms of what you're speaking about mm. because of how you're seen. So mm. it's a difficult one to navigate through. I don't know, is it? I think if you, depending on how you feel and how confident you are and how strong your sense of self is, I don't know. I mean, I you know, we talked about this before on the podcast about the idea of feminism and it's become a dirty word, like advocating for equality. And why do you need to go banging on about it kind of thing? Well, because it's we're still not where we need to be, that's why. Yeah. So as long as that's the status quo, then... I say shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, and, yeah. In the, and in the engineering world, I think this is what was so what Renny's mentioned is that in the engineering world, it may have a connotation. So uh, I appreciate Tracy. Yeah, it's definitely we're not where we ideally should be or would would like to be. Sorry, should I say? But in, in areas like engineering, you know, there's still scenarios where it's difficult to navigate around. Mm. And it's not just engineering, it's lots of different industries, lots of different yeah like you know even maybe in the fashion industry there's lots of different places it's still a problem not just engineering Mm -hmm. but we're finding that that's a problem in Um, yeah I think it takes a lot of courage to make that decision and to navigate through and say you know what I'm gonna 
I'm going to speak out about what I care about. I'm going yeah. to, you know. And especially when you're not having lots of women support you as well. Mm. This quote we took from something you said um, in your media that you put out there. And you said to lead and inspire change and better living by demonstrating what can be accomplished from courageously expanding my circle of influence. <laughs> can you tell us more about what this means? Yeah. I'm glad you asked me because I've often told people, you know, like a mission statement of a business, sometimes it's quite obvious to everybody, but your own personal mission statement, once you make it and you've worked hard on it, it should really resonate with what you really want in your life. It doesn't always need to make sense to others. So yeah, so uh, in explaining it for me, I guess there are a few things that statement reminds me. One of the things is, I guess, uh, for me being Christian, it's with God's help. I want to live an unprecedented life. I want to live a life that is unequal, that is extraordinary, uncommon, pioneering, all these really wonderful things. And, you know, and by doing that, it isn't just because I want to be famous, I want to be well known, but it's like I keep saying, like, it is so valuable to me that. I get seen for the sake of the next generation. Mm. The more I get seen, the more I excel, the more I get invited to different tables of influence, the more I'm courageous enough to introduce myself to that person or to take that opportunity, the more I'll get into speak into the things that really matter, those core issues, giving a voice to things that I care about and that, you know, the next generation cares about as well. Yeah, so that's where that comes from. I really want to be a leader and I want to inspire people to change things. But I want to demonstrate that it does take courage and I want to be courageous enough and lead the way in showing people that can be done. And the other thing is like, I feel incredibly blessed to be in a first world country and to be surrounded by opportunities. I have ancestors who didn't get that opportunity. I don't want to squander this opportunity and not make the most of it. So that um, my mission statement reminds me that my ancestors went through so much to give me this opportunity and I need to make it count. Wow. Okay. So that's actually quite incredible and a way of looking at it. And I love how, how committed you are to living an extraordinary life. <laughs> it's certainly, certainly what we're hearing. And well, what are some of the things that you do really care about? That you know that you want to change that you want to be a leader lead change for i'll tell you what like you know something really practical uh recently i went home because my grandmother passed away I'm sorry. and i knew i was the oldest grandchild but in that setting i realized that i was the oldest grandchild you know mm. and I remember as a child thinking, I want to be an engineer, I want to be a scientist, I want to do all these things, you know, and my mom and my parents instilling in me that I was the leader and I needed to be an example. And, you know, navigating through my whole life, I didn't realize just how much of an example I was until I arrived at my uh, grandma's funeral. And all of a sudden, in a family where I was a first engineer, they're now engineers and lawyers popping up everywhere. You know, mm -hmm. like my mom had 12 brothers and sisters wow. and they each had five or six or seven children. And they're wow. now each having six or seven. It is absolutely normal for them to aspire to go to university. Absolutely normal for them to think it's possible for them to be a pilot, to be an engineer, to be a lawyer, to be all of these things. It's no longer something that we dream about or look and see, oh, it's only those other families that do it or, you know, it's not like that anymore in my family. So that's really important to me, you know, being a leader within my family, because, you know, I, I, my mom told me something that, and my dad as well, I guess, that charity begins at home. What I mm -hmm. preach on the outside must truly be true in my home. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, you know, uh, minority groups, you know. I am very proud to be Zimbabwean and to have been born in one of the poorest hospitals in Zimbabwe and to have worked hard to be here. And I want to make sure that Zimbabweans are respected, honored, 
and loved wherever they go because I'm a product of that country and I want to make them proud, you know, mm -hmm. and I want to see other Zimbabweans lifted up. Women and women of color, I'm incredibly passionate about that. I don't want a woman because of the color of her skin to be disqualified. And I want to lead in being an example of pushing and breaking down the doors that need to be broken so they can see that they can get there. Mm. But more than that, I hope to be invited more and more tables so I can speak into those issues. Mm. Yeah, so uh, minority groups, you know, being an example for my family and making my family proud, mm. really, really important. My name is so important to me. I want my dad, when people, you know, ah, oh, meet my dad. Oh, we've heard about these Chavungas in Australia. Are they mm -hmm. yours? <laughs> you know, and I want my dad to be able to go like, yeah, those are my babies, you know? <laughs> it really matters. It really matters. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. What a beautiful legacy mm. that you're creating there, Renny. I think that's amazing. It's very beautiful. Um, that you're very inspiring. I'm sure you will motivate many others. <laughs> Definitely. To pursue their passions because it sounds like engineering was something you wanted to do from very young age mm, absolutely like I think I I liked maths physics and all of those things in school and then I guess when I did my pilot's license just you know I liked the flying component but I really was curious how does the plane actually work and then watching especially the water industry deteriorate in my country mm. I kept thinking oh somebody should do something about that and now I look back and I think, oh, I chose the right degree. And I didn't even know at the time because I didn't know uh, anything about uni or anything like that. I was just so blessed that I chose chemical engineering because it said something along the lines of you use chemistry, physics, and maths, uh, and the sciences to solve real life problems. And it's only when I arrived in my lectures that I realized, oh my God, there's a whole water component. Oh my goodness. And then, yeah, and now I work in the water industry and really love it. And when I got an opportunity to speak to, you know, to challenge the president of Zimbabwe about you know, the state of our water infrastructure, I was like, man, there is an opportunity to use that degree for good. Mm. But yeah, very passionate. I feel like with an engineering degree, there is opportunity for you to do so much, so much good, hopefully. Uh, Beautiful. Mm. Well, it sounds like you've done a lot of good already. Yeah, and there's so much passion around the engineering, which is fantastic. And especially since, and you've been passionate about engineering since you were um, such a young age. So how did you manage that? How did you, when you were younger and uh, you were basically, you know, you brought up in Zimbabwe, how did you, were there any kind of backlashes around you being female and wanting to be an engineer? How did mm. that all pan out? Yeah. Oh, I was lucky enough to go to a private school and that was purely because of the vision of my parents. So that was great. But it was a very, uh, it was a predominantly white school as well. I re distinctly remember a time when we're sort of going through you know, what we can do and different things like that. And I, the guidance was I could do something with my hands and different things like that. But it was never articulated that that could be engineering or I was smart enough to do engineering. And at some point in high school, I kind of wanted to rebel against the idea of if it's not a black thing to do, to have a powerful degree, mm. I want to be the one who does it. And then I also mm. went through a phase in high school as well, where <laughs> I guess I was like, if it's only a boy thing to do, I must be a first girl to do it as well. It's always like when, when driver is, when you a driver, it sounds as though uh, the motivation, the driver for you is breaking that glass ceiling. Yeah, that's oh, right. It sounds like rebellion as well. Yeah, I was, that's, right, that's right. I was wondering <laughs> where you got the idea that this black degrees, like where does the idea come from? Like The what? powerful degrees? Oh, my yeah. dad, my mom, my dad. They said... My parents would always like just, I've got no idea how they got this way because like my dad went to school and he finished school maybe at 12 or 14 mm -hmm. and my mom finished school at 16. You know, it's not like they were incredibly educated people, but it just sounds like they were born with this, this uncommon vision, you know. Mm -hmm. I would say to my dad, oh, it'd be so nice to be an air hostess. My dad would say, oh, but wouldn't it be great 
if you flew the plane. Then you'd go ahead and actually take us to Zimbabwe International Airport. And we'd sit there and we'd all watch the planes land and take off. And he'd teach us what each airline was. And we'd watch everybody come off the plane and get on the plane. And mm-hmm. it was so much fun. So yeah, so I guess my dad said to us, if we can be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer. Mm. And then if you want to do all these other fun things like, you know, model and different things like that, once you finish the degree, you are welcome because I've laid the foundation and you can make money. And that's where it started, really. So, yeah, but also just that instilling of constantly my parents challenging us Mm. to think higher and Mm. to think greater than what you would normally think as a child. But what would you know? That's what I mean. That's what I'm getting at. What was you know, what was the cultural thinking of what you could achieve? Oh, yeah. Definitely, I felt that as a woman, engineering wasn't supposed to be something that I could do. Mm. And actually, even uh, I just, you know, I keep going back. I keep describing things as like a white thing to do and a black thing to do. But that's just because that's kind of like I was in a predominantly white school and I did experience a lot of racism when I was in Zimbabwe Mm. and you know there were definitely things that weren't designed I felt like being a black person I Mm. wasn't supposed to you know like we'll be in history and they would laugh at how our you know Lobongula who signed off our our land with an x to the British or something white people would laugh at that and make fun of us Mm. I felt like as a black person, I was supposed to be stupid and I was supposed to, you know, a lot of us weren't educated. We ended up being maids Mm. and we ended up doing all these things. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that profession. But if that is the only choice, Mm. you are raised to become a maid or you're raised to become a farm worker, not the farm owner. Mm. That's not right. And that is quite often how it is. And then also as a woman as well, there's so many things in Zimbabwe that I wouldn't be able to do I remember having this conversation with my brothers and they were saying oh you know we've come a long way so like for me to be out at night going for coffee isn't something that I do because my parents would be like like why is a woman out late right like to go into a pub and have a drink that is a purely male thing a woman being there Mm. is inappropriate I still manage some of our businesses and, and support my parents from here but when I go home, there's certain meetings that my dad will say, or, you know, or my mom will say, oh, if you go there, they might, you know, they might think you're a girlfriend instead of a daughter. There are mm. lots of things that are still in my culture uh, that make it unacceptable for a woman to be certain things. And there's a lot to be changed. Mm. So yeah, definitely a lot of what I'm doing now mm. is different to what I would have been doing. And I know for a fact, like even having been allowed, even been able to go to a, a British run boarding school, I felt like that was such a privilege because mm. I know the expectation is if I was in day school, I would have had to, you know, on the days we didn't have a maid, I would have had to clean the house, cook, mm. you know, mm. and that's how my mom and all of my uncles and everybody else, mm. they had to cook, clean, and then go to school, come back, cook, clean, and do all of these other things mm. as well as study. Mm. Like the opportunities for a woman in Africa to survive, to get it, you know, I just like, I raise my hands up Mm. to a girl who didn't go to a private school, ends up being an engineer and doing these amazing things. Because seriously, Mm. to be running a household and to have these enormous expectations on you, to be a mother Mm. when you're a child yourself and to still study and to Mm. pass and go to university, it's just amazing. So I was grateful that I was in boarding school and didn't have, and could only focus on school, but yeah. the others who couldn't do that. Yeah. So I don't know That's... if I've answered the question, but. You have, you have, because something that I do in my work is we unravel the influences of parental programming. And I don't mean like, you know, the brainwashers. I mean, it's their attitudes and their beliefs that shape their lives, that shape our lives and how that's worked for us in our, you know, our current adult life. So that's kind of how I work with clients. And then just, and it's really interesting to hear you talk about those parental influences and how they've affected you and brought you to where you are today. And I'm hearing a lot of like rebellion and determination to not be. <laughs> and it's quite funny. I, I think I told this story before, 
my dad once said, I showed an interest in engineering myself and mechanical engineering. And my dad said, that's not for girls. So I went and enrolled in mechanical engineering and I did it for a year and I hated it. Mm. So I changed degrees. Mm. <laughs> I changed degrees. It's fine. Uh, I did something else that I like better. But it was, it's interesting, uh, the motivations, the things that motivate us. And then, I, and then I don't regret that I did it for a year because it was me finding what I enjoyed and what I didn't and, you know, what was going to be a passion for me. So that's fine. But I, I get that feeling of I'm going to show you, I'm going to be the first. But it's quite that. interesting though as well, uh, Tracy. Like I've moved like a, as a child. Those mm. things got me to uh, through uni and, you know, that no... I cannot let them win when the subject was too hard for me and I felt like I was going to fail. And they're like, I'm mm. just crying. You're going. You know, mm. they kind of got me through. Mm. But then in the, you know, over the years, who I am has changed. You know how we're talking about that identity and, and a, a confidence in what I was born to do? That is much, much bigger than let me show you now yeah. because I am a different person now. You know, mm. I've healed from the hurt that I experienced as a child and what I was going through as a child. And mm. I'm now more, much, much more comfortable in my skin. So yeah, now I am driven by knowing that that vision statement mm -hmm. is truly designed for me. And I feel like that is my mission in life, that I'm called to this more so. And that's yeah. what drives me. I don't want to fall short of my, my potential more so than... Uh, yeah. being rebe rebellious to society you know no, that's if I great called to um, touch women's lives I must yeah. absolutely do it not because you know I'm sticking it to somebody or but because yeah. it's my destiny exactly I can't fall short of that no and there's something we talk about is this kind of moving towards and moving away from kind mm. of motivation yeah. and I think it's I just think it's a, a stage of growth I think it's kind of reasonable to be in that kind of teenage angsty rebellious kind of part of your life have that as a growth phase in your life and then hopefully as you grow spiritually as well it mm. becomes more more about passion and what you want to pursue and what you want what legacy you want to leave versus mm. I'm sticking to someone so it's good to hear that you recognize that in yourself and where you are um, and what you're about because I think that's really important you've really demonstrated that very nicely thank you it's also demonstrated about um, you've also kind of like encapsulated um, your passion but it's a passion for purpose and so it's evolved into yes you started out maybe rebelling and uh, you're also kind of experimenting again like experimenting but also pushing boundaries how far can I go with this mm. and then now it's kind of it's evolved into you know you really really kind of finding finding home in what you're doing and that's that's basically now it's your purpose mm. which is amazing amazing to hear absolutely incredible well I think we're yeah, kind of out of time I could talk to you forever and I'm hoping <laughs> to talk to you again anyway but um, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast thank you so much for being our guest thank it was you, absolutely my pleasure honestly I'm so grateful for every opportunity I'm given and I'm so grateful that yeah, you gave me this opportunity so thank you oh, thank you <laughs> thank you um, for sharing your story yeah thank you for sharing your story well I hope you have a lovely weekend the rest of your weekend are you doing anything fun oh not exactly actually I've got some uh, marking to do because uh, I tutor a, an engineering subject at the University of Newcastle mm. and so end of year marking so mm, not fun. fun this weekend maybe next weekend <laughs> and then yeah uh, I've got a friend coming over as well in between all of that so hopefully she will bring the fun into the mix <laughs> yeah hopefully oh have a, enjoy your marking yeah. Make it fun. I don't know how, but make it fun. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> and I'll speak to you very soon. Thanks of again, Renny. Right. Great to meet you, Renny. The pleasure is mine. Bye. 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 So, Renny, is she amazing? Wow, that was really cool. I love that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. She's awesome, wasn't she? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah.
she's such really, an inspiring woman yeah very insightful too yeah 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 I completely forgot about that engineering and Cindy Crawford thing so but yeah I love hearing a story it's kind of it's almost like going on that journey with her I could just imagine like we're boarding school in Zimbabwe and then they're pushing back with her and then going hey I want to do this I want to do that it's, it's very infectious that passion mm-hmm. And, and how beautiful that she had parents that supported her like that. I think that's, that's a massive, massive thing, Chad. It makes such a big difference. So it's like you said, with your coaching and those parental kind of um, paradigms, as it were. Mm. Yeah, it just it makes a massive difference, definitely. Yeah, it's it about, does. Because that parental paradigm is about, do you have paradigms which are, which place almost cages around you? Mm. Or have paradigms which help you open up doors. Well, I, either way, I have no doubt that if Renee didn't have that support, she'd still be successful. I don't have any doubt. She'd have found another way, just with her spirit. But then you're right, like parental programming will always influence our decisions and how our life pans out. <clears throat> I think the key is recognizing that and then doing something about it if your life isn't the way you want it to be. I think that's the key because you're right. It can be very limiting and how limiting it is depends on your personal situation. But recognizing that and then like, right, what can I do about it? Because that's the difference. And that's all, you know, that's how everybody can shine. Because I really believe everybody can shine. And just look at Renna from her background. Yes, her parents were supportive, but how did they, you know, like, verbally and obviously financially was able to send her to a private school but what must they've had to do and still and you can and you still heard from Renee then that even now they still have attitudes and beliefs that may not be supportive to the person she is now so even despite those things she's still going to shine she's still going to thrive so I just thought it was just a really interesting story for sure yeah what was your biggest takeaway from that our guest speaker? Oh, I think the biggest takeaway would be, it was interesting to hear how in the engineering world that Rennie had to prove herself. And, you know, I'm hoping that doesn't, I mean, you know, obviously Rennie's paving away now for it to be different. And I hope it is different, but I hope that, uh, that women and women of colour in the who enter the engineering world you know, they don't have to work above and beyond their white male counterparts. And I hope that's the main takeaway for me. But it'll also be inspiration. Be- mm. And, you know, we do know that's kind of common. I mean, minorities and minority, like people of colour and women often do feel they have to work above and beyond and tend to do that. And that's, you know, speaks to part of the reason why a lot of women won't apply for jobs unless they tick all the boxes, whereas men will. It's that idea that there's a different standard for you if you're going to be successful. Like there's a different expectation for you. This expectation, you have to go above and beyond to basically prove that you, you were, you're worthy to be there or to do that job or to have that position. And I think that's a sad state of affairs but it's quite common, unfortunately. Mm. Trying to think of what my biggest takeaway is. I think my biggest takeaway is, well, it wasn't, it was just something that she reminded me of, which I think is quite sad. And that's that women don't often support other women and can quite, you know, quite the opposite, hinder women from thriving. And I think that's really, really unfortunate um, to have that today still in today's day and age I think that's for me personally that's why it's important to be a voice to have this podcast to constantly talk about these things to talk about allyship not just with men but with women as well it's really important that women are supporting other women as well I think that's something to think about for sure Mm. so I'd say they were my biggest takeaways she was fabulous Mm. she is fabulous yeah there's a lot of insights there yeah absolutely food for thought okay all right well oh I guess that's all we've got time for 
today this week and I guess I'll speak to you again very soon yes have a great week see you next time see you next time Bye. bye thank you so much for tuning in we hope you have as much fun with us today as we did if what you heard resonated with you Don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!